0: one, uh, excuse me 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke with them saying, May this time, O God, in this time of worship, O God, may Your Word be proclaimed in spite of me or because of me, Lord. May people hear and act on Your Word and Your call in their life as we remember the ascension of Christ and His calling in our lives at that time. In Christ's name, Amen. This was Jesus' mountaintop voice, if you would. He was addressing some who, and some believed, excuse me, and some believed that as many as 500 people were there that day. Matthew tells us that some of the people did not believe. Most commentaries believe that the persons may have been new followers or people who had actually come and followed, because you know that historically when Jesus showed up, there was a crowd. There was always a crowd of folks that came, so they believe that there might have been about 500 people, and if that were the case, you could imagine that there might have been—they um, might have seen and heard the post-resurrected Jesus—and were definitely struggling to understand how it could all make sense. God speaks to us at a variety of times in our lives. Sometimes in the mountain, other times in the valley. The main point is that God speaks all the time. The major question that we have, though, or at least the major question that I have for myself and and for you today is if we understand that God speaks at all times and in all places, do we choose to listen? Or is it kind of like when I was a kid and my mom would be saying something and I'd be walking the other way, and after she had said it, she'd look at me and go, are you listening to me? And of course I went, Yes, Mom, I'm listening. I had no idea what she said. I wasn't listening. I was thinking about what I was getting ready to do. Any of y'all do that? (laughs) Any of you still do it? (laughs) The reality is, is that God has given us free will. And we can choose. God speaks, but we can choose whether or not to listen. We need, my friends, to listen. Will we choose to do that? God calls us to be and to do. When God spoke to Adam and Eve, God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. In the Great Commission, Jesus told his followers the following, Go, make disciples, and baptize them. In Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 18, We read, and later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And the signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God tells us to go into all of the world... All of God's people are our brothers and sisters and need to hear the good news of what God is doing and who God is in this day and in this time. Go, my friends. The, to go is, an, is the art of mission. To word The word go, when God said go, He meant be in mission. Be in mission to the world. But when he said make disciples, discipleship is the art of relationship. So God tells us not just to go, but to be. Be disciples and make disciples. Enter into relationships. The work of mission is the work of all of God's people. (laughs) I remember having a conversation with a good friend of mine not too terribly long ago, and I said, look, you need to go out and and be a missionary. He went, I ain't one of those. I went, sure you are. No, I'm not. I went, let me ask you a question. Are you living out God's great commission? Well, yeah. Then you're a missionary. We are all called to be missionaries for God. Many times, however, missionary being a missionary or missioning is not glamorous. We would much rather love to be the Lord of our own little kingdom, taking care of everything that is familiar and being happy. But you know what? Jesus sent his disciples and us out from our areas of comfort to anoint people who have nothing and can do nothing for us. You see, that's the interesting thing about being a missionary, is God has called us to go and be his love, his light in darkness, without any expectation of anything in return. In other words, if we are in ministry with people who are like us and we are comfortable all of the time, we are probably not being missionaries of God at that point. We are not being the missionaries that God has called us to be. So what would it look like if we were being missionaries? Number one, God's Word would be proclaimed. You know, I'm getting frustrated more and more and more when people say, well, I can't say that here. Why not? God's Word is proclaimed not only with our tongues, my friend, but with our actions. Maya Angelou actually said one time that people are less likely to hear and and respond to what it is we say as much as what we do and the love that we share. As a missionary, in this passage um, in Mark, it says that God's Word will be proclaimed. Number two, evil spirits will be cast out. We tend to allow evil to live in our lives because we don't believe that we have power to get rid of it. God said that as believers of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the power to cast out evil. It is a choice. We do not have to live in the midst of the evil that we live in, but as we proclaim God's Word, and as through, excuse me, and through prayer, we have the ability, God's Word says this, to cast out evil spirits. God calls us to do that. He said we need to be disciples, and this is what it's going to look like. Evil spirits will be cast out. Healings will take place. Now understand, my friends, prior to becoming a pastor, I worked in health care, and I believe in the good work that happens in hospitals and through medical professionals. I believe that God uses medical professionals and medicine and and the medical field to bring about healing. But I also believe and know that when God's faithful people pray and lay hands on and pray for people, that healing takes place. And it's not just for Pastor Louise or, or myself or Pastor Jeremy. It's for any of God's people who have been called and who are filled with the Spirit to go out and transform worlds. This is how the world will know who we are, Jesus said. And finally, number four, the results of this will be that lives will be changed. Now, here's where pride gets in the way. If I go to someone who's really struggling and have a conversation with them and pray with them and pray for them, then, and things change, then suddenly I believe that I did it. I can't change lives no more than I can build a skyscraper. And just in case you want to know, I can't. Don't have the power, don't have the ability, don't have the knowledge, don't have the tools. When lives are transformed, they're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. But it's not me. It's not you. But it is the God who is in you. Yes, we participate because we have been faithful to what God has called us to do. And we have been faithful to go and be in that place. But the act of transformation is from God. So remember, we said that to go meant to be in mission, but to make disciples is about relationship. We are to be in relationship, and the heart of our relationship should be Christ Jesus, first and foremost. I can't be a Christian friend to someone until I have Christ in my life. I may say this a couple times, but it's a phrase that I use a lot in the ministry that I have with the General Commission on United Methodist Men. I tell my guys, you can't be a disciple and be in relationship with people until you have been, and you cannot disciple others to be in relationship with God, I should say, until you have yourself become a disciple. You can't sell what you haven't gotten. From that relationship that we have with Christ, then we make disciples. As we develop in our discipleship, in our relationship with Christ, then we want to draw others to Christ. A person once said, Jesus did not leave us a missional ethic, but rather an ethos or an atmosphere of missional relationships. Jesus has called us to develop a place in our world, our home, our work, where relationships matter. All of us have a holy of holies place in our lives. For some it may be a closet. For some, it might be um, I don't know. For some, it may be uh, a place in nature for others. it might be in the backyard. some it might be at the pool. You, all of us have a holy of holy place. The question is: what resides there? Is it stuff? That we find holy, or is it Christ? Are we at the center of our holy of holies, or is Christ? Are you centered in Christ? How we are living out our relationship with God. Um, is seen in the ways that we live our lives out. So if God is in the center of our life, if Christ is center, then let me ask you some questions. How is your study in prayer life? If Christ is at the center, I would encourage you that your study and prayer life should be pretty good. We should be working every day in prayer and study, looking to see what God has called us or how God has called us to grow and to be in relationship with others. Has your prayer become more of a wish list rather than a conversation? If so... Think about switching that over. God does not want a glorified laundry list of things that we want. God wants a relationship with you and me. God wants us to be able to know him as Abba, Daddy. God wants us to know his will. God, quite frankly, I don't believe, cares about our will what we want, how we want it to turn out. Unless our will is that whatever you want, oh God, may it be so on earth. Is Christ magnified in all that you do? Simply put, are you the center of, of everything, or is Christ. Last night, I believe, as I watched and and heard what was happening from three to four o'clock at the conversation at the the protest or the rally down in Nashville, I believe people were honestly sharing their hearts and their grief and, and their hurt and their, their desire to see justice. But then, about ten o'clock last night, as I was watching the news, I think at some point in time the focus changed. It went from Christ being the center and, and Christ's will for, for for our community and for our world to what I wanted. It went from God-centered to person-centered. Is Christ magnified in all you do? Or are you magnified? May it be Christ. How about your neighbor? Are there people God has placed on your heart that you need to contact? Especially through this, this physical distancing time in our lives. Um, you see, I, I tend to believe that you know everybody talks about social distancing. I don't buy it anymore. We can be physically distanced and still be socially close. And it may have taken me a few month, weeks, it seems like months, a few weeks to, to really start changing that language for myself and for people who I talk to. I believe it with my heart and soul that that we have not necessarily been socially distanced during this time. Some have, and we need to reach out to them. But we have been physically distanced. And that physical distance has hurt. So is there someone that God has placed on your heart that you need to contact, that you think that, that may have been struggling Today, right before I started preaching, I got two text messages, one from a friend, well, actually both from friends here in the Tennessee area, one from someone from this congregation, and and another who is a a Roman Catholic friend of mine who works for another agency and said, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you today. She didn't know I was preaching, but apparently God placed me on her heart and she sent me an text message. She never text messages me on Sunday anyway. It's usually Monday mornings. So maybe, just maybe, God had a word for me and he used her. So has God placed a neighbor on your heart that you need to reach out to? And you know what? While we're here, I'm just going to go ahead and meddle for a second. Can I do that? Who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Is it the person who lives next door to us? Well, that's a neighbor. Is it the person who we are thinking about now that we're missing from the congregation? Absolutely. That, that is a neighbor. But you know what? I believe God defines neighbor a little bit differently as well. Our neighbor is the person in our community and in our world who doesn't look like us, doesn't speak like us, and as a Southern implant, I'm getting better at speaking like (laughs) y'all. But I still don't do it well. (laughs) So we don't speak alike, we don't necessarily look alike. We may not have anything in common, but that person still is our neighbor. And deserves our prayers, our respect, and our love. That's why earlier today in my prayer I wanted us to pray for the victims of the violence that happened around, but also the perpetrators. Because they're our neighbor as well. And they need God as much as everybody else does. When our neighbors... When our brothers and sisters hurt, we all heard. Reach out to them. Encourage them. I was in a store the other day. And I was appropriately physically distanced from the person in front of me. And, but I could hear the conversation that was going on, and the the person who was speaking to the to the clerk at the store said, People may not say this to you, but you need to know how much I appreciate what you've done, not taking care of me but but being here faithfully, taking care of all of your customers, being here so that we can have food and and we can have the stuff that we need. And the clerk that she was speaking to started to cry and said, you know, I've been feeling lonely. And you're the first person who has reached out and said thank you. Who was that person's neighbor? And finally, let me ask, how are you or are you staying connected during this strange time of physical distancing? You see, one of the spiritual principles that that John Wesley called us to do and to be embracing is Christian conversation. You cannot be doing Christian conversation and not be present with someone else. And God knows there are tons of ways that we can be present. I do it about six or seven times a day with my my men across the country, my leaders, using video chat or phone calls. There are ways that we can can be connected with each other and with with our neighbors and our friends and and people that we wanted to go visit but can't visit. Are we staying connected? Because through our connections, we have an opportunity not only to be the disciple of Christ, but we can help make disciples of Christ. In the Ascension and Great Commission, Jesus reminded his followers, and he reminds us even today, that God is the lover. Jesus was beloved, and the Holy Spirit is the love with us. How do we live out that relationship with the lover, the one who was loved, and the one who is love, each day? My friends, understand, when Jesus told us to go into all the world, and make disciples. He knew it was going to be difficult. He knew there would be days like today. He knew that there would be great joys, but there would also be great sadness. And yet he said we needed to go and do it anyway because God chooses to be the way maker. My friends, we do not do this on our own. We do not have the power, nor do we have the strength to live out that mountaintop voice of Jesus calling us to go and be and do. We don't have that power in us, but God, the way maker, empowers us and strengthens us and gives us all we need to be a presence And a power in this world. So go. And be. Go. Be missionaries. Be in relationship. And let the world see and know. That God is here still. May it be so. Are you still praying Psalm 91? We at Good Shepherd have been praying Psalm 91, um, and we continue to do that for the remainder of the 91 days. Uh, Pastor Jeremy has an alarm set for 9:10 a.m. and 9:10 p.m. Uh I have an alarm set for 9:10 p.m. because I can usually I'm usually sure I'm going to be able to pray at 9:10 p.m. Um but uh Once a day, I choose to pray Psalm 91, so I would encourage you to pray that with me. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God, and I trust you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the coronavirus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind me that you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing the world, the virus that is not only disease, but racism. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. I pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, and my world. I pray, Lord, as you make my... Ret- as you Become my refuge, that no evil will conquer me or us, nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. Amen.
1: Gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hidden from their sight. Acts chapter one, verses six through nine. Before his ascension, Jesus left this clear message, spread the gospel, so that's been our mission. In this time, in this season, it seems tough to abide, alone in our homes, or masked in our streets, we struggle to share with those that we meet. And though we may shout from the tops of our voice, it seems only our echoes that hear us rejoice. Our churches were shut, but our hearts remain open, and slowly, yet surely, the silence is broken. We know what it is to fight an enemy unseen. We've battled him daily and nightly indeed. We are not scared, not injured, not broken or beaten purchased with blood, we are never defeated. This message for all has only one theme, you were bought at a price, and you are redeemed. Can you feel the sun rising? Can you hear the bells ringing? The children of God will stand once again. We have stayed in place to protect those outside, but brothers, my sisters, again we will rise. Can you hear the drums beating? Can you hear the chorus singing? Can you hear them in the distance? God's army is marching. It's time to stand up. It's time to fall in line. Hear the drums. Hear the horns. Hear glory divine.
0: As you depart from this place of worship, as you go forward, know that God has called you to be in mission, to be in relationship. So go, be the hands and feet of Christ. May you find peace as you shelter physically from each other, but may you find comfort as you shelter together in conversation. Go and be the hands and feet of Christ. As Christ has called us, so now we go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May the grace of God be with you now and always, living out the work of the miracle worker. Amen.